failed to, to mention it in a timely way, but in communicating with Sister Janice this week, she referred to the fact that uh, some of the people, the translators they had used in the past over there um, in an area in Iraq, um, I don't know if you all heard anything about it, but there was a fire that was uh, caused to happen at a large wedding. And uh, it affected at least the one family of one of their translators. Um, she didn't have all the details, but I think it killed 100 people and maybe injured another 100. Hard for us to comprehend, but uh, what we would consider a very tragic um, happening. So she was asking for remembering them in prayer. Uh, the needs of those people as well. This morning as we've gathered for our fall communion service, by way of the message this morning, I would like to consider with you um, on the basis of some foundational scriptures the, the thought, the idea of what it really means, what is the significance of Christ's atonement, um, sometimes many of us go about our lives and we're busy and we're forgetful and occasionally there are a few amongst us that have seemingly photographic memories and can capture something and it's with them and most of us are not like that, at least I'm not. So it takes line upon line and then we wonder where all the lines went sometimes. But I'd like to look at some scriptures this morning that remind myself and, and hopefully uh, help you and being reminded of scriptural perspectives and leading us in a form of, of worshipful uh, exercise this morning. I could wait till the end of the service for the text verse perhaps, but in Romans 5, um, maybe I'll go ahead and read, read a few verses there. Verse 8 of chapter 5 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Um, I'm not sure what all comes into your minds as you think of the word atonement. I believe the word atonement is used 77 times in the Old Testament. And it's only used, and perhaps with somewhat different significance and meaning in the New Testament once, and here is that place. In the Old Testament, the meaning of the atonement had to do with an act of, of um, covering, of pacifying, appeasing God's wrath, of temporary relief, release, and we see that in the Instructions given in Leviticus 16. <clears throat> I won't take the time to read all of that this morning. If you care to turn there, you can peruse that. 
But there they were given instructions on steps to take that they were to take care of once a year um, and complying with God's direction on the Day of Atonement. There they were to, as a part of that process, they were to take two goats. One was to be the Lord's goat, one was to be the scapegoat. And um, I'll read a portion of these verses here. Uh, Leviticus chapter 16. Let's begin in verse 7. This uh, captures a uh, central part of this passage at least. <coughs> Excuse me. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And, shall, and he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do that do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat and he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins and shall, and so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness and there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he hath made an end of the reconciling of the, the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness, and Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. I'll leave off reading here, but it goes on to talk about 
the identifying of the sins of the children of Israel and the importance God placed upon it that they would follow the instructions he gave them. And if you read the, further in this passage here down through verse 28, it talks about those that were handling the scapegoat and those uh, that took the, the sacrifice without the camp to burn all the remains. Uh, they were to follow through with another uh, ritual of cleansing, of washing. Uh, to present themselves before they would return into the camp. So keep in mind that that picture of the Lord's goat and the scapegoat, that sin being confessed upon that goat and being taken far into the wilderness. I assume a fit man there would be one who was able to take it far enough that it could not make it back into camp. It would not return with the sins of the people upon it, um, if you will. Um, I'd like to look at a verse or so from Hebrews chapter 9 that, that reflect on this time and this time of of observing the atonement. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 9, says, Which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of a heifer sprinkle, sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The word atonement, as I referred to 77 times in the Old Testament, it's sort of an interesting, ironic parallel that it appears once in the New Testament. And, and as we think of Christ's sacrifice once for all, it's sort of a fitting thought to understand the significance of that. We sing, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. They, in their instruction, in their faithful observance, yearly of the atonement, were safe in observing that act as an act of sacrificial typification that kept them in a safe place under the direction of God. The New Testament definition is a bit different and I want to think with you about that a little bit. It has more to do with, uh, perhaps many would say it can be better interpreted as it's used there in Romans 5 uh, the, the word atonement as reconciliation, that would be 
used in other languages and versions. But a restoration to divine favor. In other words, after the fall of man, there was a sense in which Adam and Eve found themselves in a very undesirable spot. They followed their desire, and yet they found themselves under the condemnation of God. And so the New Testament definition has the thought of moving us from a position of being under the wrath of God to a position of peace and grace of God in our lives. It is to reconcile fully. And in Christ this morning, we can be reminded again that Jesus meets all of those requirements for reconciliation with God and man. Further in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. There the King James uses the word of many. The actual significance of that is the many. Or the, it is a provision that God has made available for all. Um, the Spanish uses los muchos. Um, it's not just some a large quantity. It's, it's available for all. Um, so that is a blessing for us. As we think of the definition of atonement this morning, the meaning of it, may it be a blessing as we seek to find it and understand it. Um, by way of a title, I didn't, didn't specifically give a title, but um, I think we could give the title this morning, Seeing God's Glory in the Work of Christ's Atonement. Sometimes I feel like it's uh, more like something I saw go by our window yesterday. It was a fleeting glimpse. It was hard to keep track of that we had the strange happening of a deer running by our house yesterday in a very unusual spot, one I've never seen before, and I didn't have long to contemplate what it was until I looked out another way and saw it more clearly. But the closer we draw to God and the more we reflect on his work as he reveals it through the word, the more clear we can have a picture of God's glory in the atoning work of Christ. I want to consider with you not only the definition primarily, but secondly, the need for atonement and comparing a bit of an, an old picture and a new picture, an old look and a new look. In Genesis chapter 3, we have in the account there, if you care to turn there just briefly, it won't take long, um, the, the discussion there between Satan and Adam and Eve. We have the account of the fall of man. And in essence... God laid out the fact that they were not to do certain things, that it would bring judgment, condemnation. Satan had a different thought in mind, and he said to them, Ye shall not surely die. There is a sense in which we see that lie being processed and manufactured in different ways today. 
But God's word sets forth the fact that disobedience to him brings death. And it brought that in the fall of man. So the, the lie that you can continue in sin and not die from it or be spiritually dead is long been spoken of before the era of John Calvin in other areas. But I want you to notice here in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 3 says, and he said, I heard thy voice, this is Adam's response, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The fall of man brought the fear of being in an unsuitable place before their creator. The fall of man brought fear. And so as that happened from that point forward, it is not, should not be a surprise to any one of us that you and I, as we come to an age of accountability and we understand that as a result of being afflicted with the fallen nature, and we are, we are brought to a point that there needs to be the provision of atonement that's carried forth into our experience beyond the time of our innocence. The atoning, the effect of the atonement carried forth. And that happens. And I want you to see the difference it makes in Revelation chapter 1. John the Revelator there was, was given a lot of information. But notice what happened to him in um, verse 17 here in this account. He was being revealed the the grandeur, and yet when he saw our Lord and Savior in his glorified body, the Lamb of God, he says in verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. You see, for us this morning, that's why Jesus is so special. It takes us from the place of fear from Genesis 3 to the place of fear not. from foe to friend. A few other things regarding our need for atonement that carry on through the Genesis account. I would just remind you that the end of the result of the fall of man there, the sad picture in verse 24 of chapter 3, it says that God drove out the man. the reality of that fall, the reality of that consequence was very real. Then further, if you care to turn to Genesis chapter 5, the ongoing effect of that fall is noted here in a way that 
that makes that can connect to us and our ability to forget things, I believe. Genesis 5, verse 3 says, And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. It is an acknowledgement of the fact that the offspring of fallen man bore the carnal nature, bore the effects of the fall. It was no longer something that was in proper place and position before God, the Almighty One. And so this need that we have for the atonement is a universal one. It is something that all stand in need of, and yet I acknowledge this morning that without the knowledge of the Word of God, there are those who perhaps stand today with in great ignorance of not knowing what they stand in need of. But Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans chapter 5 goes on to say, verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So there is that need that we all have, and yet the provision is there as well um, in Christ. I trust you're rejoicing in that. Thirdly, I'd like to look at the provisions we see in Scripture regarding the glory of God and Christ's atoning work. Um, on his part, it is unconditional, if you will, in the fact that there is no limit to whom it can, can uh, the efficacy of it can reach to every heart that responds an acknowledgement of their need of it. The provision is somewhat sacrificial in the sense that Isaiah used the words of the language of animal sacrifice in describing our Lord. He says in Isaiah 53, verse 7, He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. A lamb to the slaughter. Yet in that sacrifice, position of sacrifice, the altar that was in focus was an elevated place of slaughter for a specific purpose. And yet the provision on part of our Savior was one of which he offered himself. And I think that's important for us to, to remember. We sing about it. But he, he said... They won't take my life, but I will lay it down myself. He gave of himself. He was beaten. He was marred. He was disfigured. It says more than any man or more than any, the sons of men in Isaiah 52:14. One of the things that <clears throat> remind us of 
the surrender and service of our serving Savior is the fact that what his act was one of of a, a level of humility that's hard for me to comprehend and hard for you to comprehend, I believe, this morning. When you think of him, creator of heaven and earth, giving himself, enduring all that, the suffering and death that would he endured at the hands of those very ones he created. Hanging on a tree of which his sustaining power grew. All that was used there for his sacrifice was that which he in essence had provided. Yet he as creator subjected himself to the cruel death by the creatures whom he created. This provision, I guess you could note as well, was in reality was an act of, um, you could call it non-resistance or willing participation, willing surrender by God through this, his son, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus verbalized that as he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. For they know not what they do. we look at the suffering and death of Christ we do need to remind ourselves again to which the provision of Christ's atonement calls us. 1 Peter chapter 2 if you care to turn there a number of verses I'd like to read verses 19 through 25 notice especially verse 21. For this is the beginning in verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. We are those who have, by faith, exercised understanding and expression as being him being our shepherd and bishop of our souls through the atoning work of Jesus. Turning over a little bit further 
in chapter 3, we see here that Jesus bore the settlement for our sin. Jesus was perhaps substitutionary in a limited sense. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Talks about his following actions there. What I want you to note this morning, the atoning work of Christ was something that never brought him into condemnation before God. He was never under the judgment and penalty of God. And yet, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 records that he tasted death for every man. The provision of this atonement, as I referred to earlier, is all-inclusive. Um, we can note that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, refers to that when it says, and that he died for all. We note it in John 3:16, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Whosoever, it's open to all. Uh, Romans 5, 19, I'm not sure if we covered that verse earlier, but it refers to the fact that all were made sinners. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so, or the many again, so by the obedience of one shall the many be made righteous. So it is through this glorious provision of Jesus' atoning work. Going back just to, um, to the verse I noted earlier that in Romans chapter 5 verse 9 that concept of Fear not comes out there again. He says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from wrath. There's a picture of peace. There's a picture of tranquility, of acceptedness, of a lack of the absence of fear. And that's a beautiful picture for me to behold in my life. I'd like to, beyond that, consider the effects of the provisions of the atoning work of Christ and the old and the comparison of the Old and the New Testament, but the unconditional effect in all the innocent children um, that we see. In Leviticus chapter 12, and we won't take the time to go there, but if you go there and look at the passage, it talks about that which mothers were to, to take care of upon bearing children. They were to offer bring sacrifices to, for cleansing and to cover. Why? 
Here again, I believe it had to do with the fact that those children they were burying were born in sin. They were born under the fall of man. They were born in a state that they needed to be covered. They need to be protected. And we see that change that comes through in the atoning work of Christ um, that is such a blessing to us as well. But they were there through the act, the, the, the labor of reproduction. They were bearing, bringing forth offspring with that sinful nature that was being transmitted. I refer you back to Genesis 5 verse 3 there that where this, the offspring were begotten in their own likeness in their own image. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2 verse 11. It's a beautiful passage here. I'd like to just start a few verses before. I'll begin in verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The change the blessing of understanding that we have of the scriptures of the protecting effect of the atoning work of Christ on the innocent life. Jesus, needless to say, I need not remind you, he often said on numerous occasions, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of the such is the kingdom of heaven. Even in the Old Testament, the psalm writer echoed that sentiment of the fact of the heart of innocence. Talks about praise coming out of the mouth of babes. And um, in Matthew chapter 21, perhaps we'll turn there, verse 16. And he said unto them, Hearest 
thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings? Thou hast perfected praise. And it is comforting for us to know that the hand of God in his mercy covers and protects the innocent life until they come to the age of accountability to accept by faith the atoning work of Jesus Christ. This work has, as I mentioned earlier, is complete in its provisional capabilities. It is effective in the accountable person through faith, their faith response. 100% effective on the part of man. God's plan will not fail. Man will fail God. Hebrew writer says, purge your conscience. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, us from sin. The eternal significance here and a few couple concluding scriptures. In Revelation, we've gone there quite a bit today, and it's, it's good to find encouragement there. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 talks about those that are the Lamb of God who has redeemed us to God by the blood of the Lamb. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2. If, before returning back to Romans 5. Ephesians chapter 2. Helps refresh our memories of the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. I just want to begin in verse 1 through verse 10. And you hath he quickened and who were, who were dead in trespasses and sins... Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and the mind, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This morning, I trust it brings comfort to you to again realize the efficacy, the, the ability of God's provisions to, to meet our every need and to reconcile us unto himself through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And... Um, Again, I will just enter back into Romans chapter 5. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The absence of fear. 
For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by, death of, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. This morning it's good that we can gather here and reflect on the blessings of God's love to us through Christ's sacrifice. Let us kneel to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. As we behold the work of your hands, Father, this morning, through the Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice again to understand in part and yet with the assurance of knowing that in Christ we are made new. In Christ we can come boldly to the throne of grace with liberty to come before you, not pleading of our own accomplishment, but merely casting our needs before you under the blood of Christ. Father, as we continue to worship this morning, may your name be honored and glorified as we seek to faithfully commemorate the Lord's suffering and death this morning. Guide and direct for your praise and glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to have each of you here this morning. I, there may be a few visitors here. I'm not sure. I don't see any that may be unfamiliar with our setting and circumstance, but I would invite you to, um, if you are here as a visitor, um, we welcome you to participate if you are of like faith and practice in your home setting and in good standing. And um, just a few details before we enter into sharing the emblems. We thank you for your efforts in presenting clear responses in your personal walk with the Lord. Um, for those that may have individual cups, we are using the common cup, but if you should have your individual cup, just remember to present it to the ministering brother and he will have your portion filled from the decanter from the deacons to accommodate your need. I think um, we will still plan for a verse of song or two while the ministry um, goes out to wash our hands before distributing the emblems. Um, so at this time, we'll ask the ministry to Retire for that, and Brother Dave, if you'd lead in the verse of song. Jeff has consented to share feet washing meditation and regarding the holy kiss as well. So, the deacon brethren, as they prepare, we'll turn our attention to Brother Jeff. <laughs> 